0: This is Kathy Garver, voice of Firestar from Spider-Man and his amazing friends. Welcome to a special episode of Power of X-Men. Enter now the age of Apocalypse, Chica, with your hosts, Dayspring and Scott Free.
1: The name's Cable. Remember it. And the only people who can stop Apocalypse are the mutants known as Dayspring, Scott Free, and Michelle. This is Captain America, and we need to defeat Apocalypse. Kathy, oh my gosh, I cannot believe I'm here talking with you. You are an icon. Well,
0: thank you. I did an interview uh, last week, a, a podcast, and they they said, "Well, you're a legend," and I said, "No, I'm an icon." No, you're a legend. No, I'm. An icon. <laughs> but either one, I'm really happy with. That's that's fine with me.
1: Well, the amount of power you have, and we were talking about this before we hit record, and I know you 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 said it's a power fire star, and of course we love that, but there's something. So special about you. I mean, everything you've done, I've read parts of your memoir. Obviously, I've seen you on TV and we're such huge Firestar fans here. But there's some, you're so talented. You have such a presence on stage.
0: Thank you. I I have been told that and I just take it from my own inner light and my inspiration from whatever spiritual being is out there. And I think I just infuse some of that and i say okay that my little light i'm gonna let my little light shine so that's it and when it has that light you know you just have to be free to you know light it up you don't have to be a super superpower or a mutant or an X man to to press your button and make your light come out
1: oh my god okay so kathy let's just dive into it because okay. obviously, Mutants and X-Men, that has been such a large part of your life, I'm assuming, at this point. When you got the call to audition for, for Spider-Man, what what were your initial thoughts? Did you even know who Spider-Man was?
0: Not really. And I got the call from Wally Burr, who I, I had worked with before. And we worked on My Little Pony and and different commercials. He was the casting director. And actually at that time I was living in Northern California. And but I was commuting back and forth between LA and, and I had I just gotten married? Maybe not, but I was, <laughs> yes, I had just gotten married. And going back and I said, well, goodbye, new husband. I'm going to LA. Um, so I, you know, I went on the interview and I've been on thousands of interviews because I've been in this business forever, ever since the Ten Commandments. Not the silent silent version, but <laughs> I've been around for a long time, and so I said, okay, this is another interview. So I went on the interview and I I did my lines. I flew back to uh, Northern California, then I got a call back, so I flew down again, and that time we I uh, we I think that was the time that there was Frank Welker and then Dan Gilbazan. Frank Welker, of course, was. Um, playing Iceman and Ms. Lion and every other voice. And Dan, this was like his first job. This was his first kind of voiceover experience. So um, I did the the interview with that triumvirate and then I waited and then my agent called and he says, oh, you got it. Now, Dan and I are very, very good friends. And he, I'm back in LA now, and and he he and his wife live like 20 minutes from my house, but he said that he got the part, then he didn't get the part, then he got the part, <laughs> and you know, so he went back and forth. He wasn't wasn't quite sure if he was going to be Spider Man, but it all worked out. And I think that the voices were good, the personalities really melded well. We all liked each other very much, so. That that was a good thing.
1: That comes across, especially when you're watching the show and it's animation. And, you know, I know a lot of we've had a lot of voice actors on the podcast before, and they talk about how they had to record separately from other castmates. But you guys and and you tell us the, the setup that you guys went through with recording. But the chemistry all three of you had on, you know, on TV was just uncanny. It was so good.
0: Thank you, and it really does make a big difference, even on Family Affair, when I did that series. It was, everyone got along very well. The chemistry was, we all liked each other. The little boy, we were born on the same day, some years apart, (laughs) but there was, you know, just some of those lights that got turned on all at the same time, and those special energies that just uh, commuted between the people. And I believe yeah, that was very true with Family Affair. I mean, there were many family kinds of shows and it was maybe the first with like a, a, a bachelor that gets all these kids. And there were many after that. But Family Affair was kind of a, a pro, promo and a premiere for the different kinds of things that were going on. And here, Spider-Man and His Amazing Friends was another first. Stan Lee had always... Uh, Taking his characters that he had developed in the comic books and then say, Oh, this would make, you know, a, a great animated series. Yeah. Well, for Spider Man and his amazing friends, he devised the animated cartoon first and said, Okay, now what kind of characters? Wait, this is going to be at Sp- about Spider Man and Ice Man. Now, what are we going to do? And there was, should we do? firestorm or firefly or this or that, or the other thing they're saying, well, no, it's got to be more than a fly. <laughs> and, you know, she's not going to, to flit around and then you don't want her just to be a storm. What can she be? You know, who, who is this character? And then they said, okay, how about fire star? Because our stars are made of fire and it's something that lasts for a long time. And so a fire star is born.
1: So many questions spinning in my head, and I want to ask: Did you ever get to meet Stanley? Did you ever have a conversation with Stan Lee?
0: Oh yes. Yeah. yeah. And he was he was there for a, a lot of the times when we were recording, and then he did the intros to fires uh, to Spider Man and his amazing yeah. friends. There's a wonderful documentary about how Spider Man and his amazing friends came to be, and then they was the just explosion of comic cons and yeah. I had the good fortune to see him there at the uh, you know San Diego Comic Con and different comic cons that I, I've gone to
1: so you're being flown out back to LA you know you got the new husband you got the script for Spider-Man you're like bye I'll see you later you're flying out to audition what were you told about Firestar going into the audition process because she wasn't a character that existed in the comics. She was created for the show. so she was basically a blank canvas.
0: Well, I think for for an actor, every character you get is like a blank canvas. You don't know who they are. yeah and, I mean I don't know who they are unless it's yeah. a historic character and those are few and far between really. And so it would be it's, it was like I got a script for any character that I would develop. So, and I taught voiceover and how to create characters for like 20 years. Yeah. But I said, okay, who is this person? How old is this person? Where does this person come from? What's this person attitude, et cetera, et cetera. And you basically, I think another thing that was good about uh, uh, Spider-Man and his amazing friends were all the characters, they're all very relatable.
1: Yeah.
0: And, and in person as well. Dan is just very laid back and, you know, very likable kind of person. And, and, and Frank the same. And I'm, I'm very friendly and, you know, kind of a warm person to, to yeah. say hello, just, just as a regular person. So with those, with those attitudes, I think it gave it a, a longevity because people could relate to them. And then they had that extra, extra thing that, that people like, Firestar, all of a sudden she can fly. I mean, that's, again, that's my favorite episode is A Firestar is Born.
1: Yes, 100%.
0: I mean, gee, why is that your
1: favorite?
0: (laughs) That's all about me.
1: Uh, (laughs) I mean, she is a breakout star of the series. Come on. You you, you surely must know that, that she is a breakout star.
0: Well, you know, interesting. She's still around. And since Disney bought Marvel, and they're showing them on Disney Plus every Saturday. They're making all these new action figures. Like this This just, this came out, I think like two years ago.
1: Look who yeah. I have here too. Yes. Oh,
0: yes. Yeah,
1: that's from Hasbro. And, yes. And, yes.
0: And do you have this one?
1: Um, I do. Yeah. it's So that one's just the same one, but with another head on it. Uh, yes. I don't yeah. know why
0: they decapitated me. <laughs> <laughs> Was there a reason for cutting off my head? I'm still trying to figure that out.
1: I like the so your head
0: while everybody else is losing theirs. You're in good shape.
1: I love the one, the second head there because that's your head. And then the other one's a little bit more of a comic accurate head. And we display it has to be this one. This is the only one that's that's you. Like we have to. Uh,
0: Yeah. Good. And and Miss Lion. And Miss Lion. And then they brought out. So what I'm saying is, there's a resurgence of yeah. the Firestar, and that's interesting to say she was a breakout character. And I was I was reading this thing about where this Emma Frost was, you know, responsible for a lot of things that happened to dear sweet Firestar, you know, and that was, you know, she was kind of pushed away in the corner. Well, she's coming back. <laughs> I think she should even come back, even you know, stronger and. And I think that the powers that be are singing, seeing the strength of Firestar and her fire. So then they brought out this one.
1: Oh, that is my favorite. That's a Toys R Us exclusive.
0: Yes, and this was a while ago. Oh, yeah. So this this was a while ago. So what they did this last year was bring out a better one.
1: <gasps> and a better one. I have know. That? I have, oh my gosh. I So we have that uh, box set back in our New York apartment. I love it so much. It is my favorite box set. There's something about the packaging, having all three characters figures together that's incredible. Yeah, amazing. I like the
0: packaging. And then <laughs> let's after, see. Let's see. Unfortunately, this was in the garage when I mean, my oh. almost drove over her. But this <gasps> is the main statue.
1: Yes. Oh my, I actually have never seen that one
0: out it just came out last year so that's my point by yeah. doing show in town mm-hmm. is that they have all these these characters mm-hmm. but what, what was cool i was in the mall a couple days ago and i was just walking by the store and i saw what is this store and it was called torpedo i believe and i said hmm, that looks interesting because it had cartoon characters and like figures and so there was one A Firestar, and I had never seen this.
1: Let me see that one.
0: This was this. Oh
1: my, yeah, the Fire Star. There were only,
0: I think, 2,000 of these made. Yeah. And I had never, ever seen it. So, oh my,
1: it's a Marvel Universe bust. I've wanted that. That's been on my wish list for decades. Oh my gosh.
0: I had never seen this. And I thought, well, how cool. Is that so we made a deal and, and I got this as well as I'm gonna make an appearance at their store. <laughs> so you know, and sign some of my pictures and and sign some of the uh figures.
1: Okay, but Kathy, you walk into the store and you're like, Hi, you see that character right there, that's me. What is the reaction oh of God. the store clerk? Like, what, what do they even <laughs> say?
0: He was so cute, Mac. Well, he's like, <gasps> You know, he's like the big breath in and he and he couldn't believe it because I, I had burst, you know, I was just watched walked in nonchalantly and I said, Do you have any firestar like characters? And he says, Hmm, I don't, I don't know. He says, I don't think so. And I said, Oh, well, you have a really lot of nice things and here he says, actually, I I was the voice of Firestar. So, what you were? Oh my god. <laughs> it was just like he was on heaven, really. He was so sweet and such a nice guy. And he said, oh, I do have this one thing. And so then he found that this bust and yeah. uh, he says, maybe I could give you a deal on it. I said, well, OK, that sounds good to me. So anyway, we we talked and had a great conversation. And then he says, well, you know, I'm going to talk to the owner. It, he's the owner is some kind of a rock musician, and this is his secondary thing that he likes to do has this store and okay. there's like, there's more and more of them. There's maybe four or five of these stores called Torpedo, but anyway, so yeah, this, that was, that's my collection of my, my Firestorm goodies.
1: That is a really great collection. There, there was also back in the nineties, a five inch figure of her released as well, which is, Oh, I have it somewhere in storage of my parents' place, but
0: I, I have it downstairs. But I'd have to go downstairs. It's, just, it's a little one. Yeah, and yeah it's also a, a Lego. Oh
1: and yes, there is the a Lego. Because
0: yes. he was telling me about this whole megatropolis and, and then she's uh one of the little characters in the thing. That that's that's on his uh best list to get.
1: Okay. So <laughs> on his wish list. So we have to ask them because we do know the X-Men cartoon is coming back in X-Men 97. Spider-Man and his amazing friends is on Disney Plus. There's still that Firestar burning. Has there ever been a conversation or murmurs about a revival for Spider-Man and his amazing friends?
0: Um, there had been no not that I know, but there had been talk of Firestar mm. having her own show. And I talked to them a lot about that. And yeah. I said, I think that you should have a spinoff and you should have Firestar, you know, have her own television animated show. So, and that was kind of right after it was going off. It should have run, run for for many more seasons, but oh, absolutely. Were all specially made. The stories were just fabulous. And I think that's another reason that they have endured so long and that they, keep going on. And those particular characters keep going on. As I say, Firestar was kind of in the past because Emma killed her horse. And, you know, I didn't know that. But I was, you know, distrustful of these other mutants. I mean, how dare they do that? So but now that we're more mature, and, you know, we're women that that, you know, have our own attitudes and passions and can fight. um, I think that there is space in the universe for for Firestar and especially as a, a foe of of Emma.
1: Yes, yes, Emma Frost, for justice summer. for butter rum. We need justice for butter rum because of what Miss Emma Frost did. Although we, Emma has sort of become more of a morally gray character in the comics, but Firestar recently is having, I don't know if you if you're up to date with her on the current comic books, but she is now an informant she's playing like a double agent on the bad guys side called orcas because she's trying to save the x-men from extinction and firestar was placed there by jean gray she is having such a massive storyline in the comics right now and everyone is rooting for her just to get the mission done
0: i love that well and you know i was so surprised the last comic con i went to I think that was a northeast comic con and there's just people coming up all the time especially with this and it was a toy show as well yeah. so when there's a toy show as well as a comic con they can get these and so they they have <sighs> so people i mean just lines for, for this which was interesting so she's really i think hot <laughs> 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 in, in in the manner of speaking at, at this time
1: can i, I can i pull on the thread of the series kind of ended there was talk of doing a Firestar spinoff. Was it just in a talk format? Did it ever you know, snowball into something a little bit more? Was there a reason why it never got made?
0: I think that it was primarily in the talk phase. I don't think there was a script for it. And they were going on to other things. So yeah. it, it didn't get made. Now, of course, there's talk about a live action Firestar. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm a little bit too old for that, but I sure could play Aunt May. <laughs> I can play that May real well. Miss <laughs> Lion, so she could be my dog. So uh, I definitely want to be considered for that uh, if they do a live action, and if they do, you know, some phase of one of the comic books in the X Men, because this is why voice acting is so nice. Because you can be as young as you want, or as old as you want, or whatever you want. You can be those things. So I could play whatever age, you know, they want her to be at that time in that she's evolved to.
1: We, we, we're, we're good friends with Lenore Zan, who voices Rogue on X-Men, and we did a panel with her in L.A., and someone asked her who would sh- they want her to cast as as Rogue in the live actions for the MCU. And Lenore was like, Sugar, with all the CGI, just make her CGI, and I'll provide the voice. And-
0: <laughs> <laughs> what a great idea. A little AI. Half AI, half reality.
1: <laughs> but, you know, the, I think your interpretation of firestar is the one that's lasted with with fans and why the character has endured and i'm curious for you because i mean we did have characters like wonder woman you know around that time but firestar was very much a first of her kind just a superhero out there on a a, a kid's cartoon show what was it like being sort of a trailblazer for that for that voice for that representation
0: I, I didn't know I was going to be
1: <laughs> <laughs> surprise, <laughs>
0: and, and so again I I liken it kind of to, fam- to family affair. After the first show was aired, and uh, it was like number one and, and a big hit, and, and I said, "Oh!" And people would come up to me and they said, can I have your autograph?" "Do you want my autograph?" <laughs> and, and and I said, "Well, I I don't I don't know." And then you say, well, I didn't know that it was going to be such a success. And I didn't know that that was going to be kind of a trailblazing kind of show, because it was the first show that had a single uh, man raising a whole family. Yeah. It was the first when the first shows in color. It was and it has endured because of the classic, I think, kind of show and also the themes they dealt with. You know, it was a dramedy. It wasn't so much a big comedy, but it was relatable and then I hearken that to Spider-Man and his amazing friends. So many of the storylines were totally relatable and people can see it and put themselves into that exact same place. And they said, I wish I had that fire. I wish I could fly up into the sky. I wish if I had, you know, there was an enemy I could just melt it, you know, or I could do something instead of, you know, just having all this stuff come on me. And Again, coming back to the original start of the show, I said it's it's the fire within us, you know, not yeah. to be overly philosophic, but we all have that inner strength. We all have that light. That if something is bothering us, we have the inner strength to to deal with it. And yeah. and and I think that fire star also can represent that we have the fire to make our our own way
1: oh gosh that is so beautiful i'm sorry i'm so enchanted with everything you just said and that's what i think makes a character so special especially when we think of her in the comics with everything that happened with emma frost she still persevered she had a fire within and you know in the comics she also developed cancer and that was a story for her and she overcame it and she sort of right now even though she's playing the double agent within the story, people are against her because they think she's betrayed the X-Men, and yet she still perseveres. And just hearing you speak and sort of understanding the character right now in a larger context, I mean, that is sort of what makes her so special and so, so pronounced amongst fans is that she perseveres in the face of a lot of obstacles.
0: And that's one of my main goals in life too. And and <laughs> this, this is not... The, the great simile, but yeah. I got one of those nice little diffusers um, with oil. You put oil in them.
1: Oh, yes. Yeah.
0: You have the little sticks and you put the sticks in them. So I had a good friend, Larry, who gave me this for my birthday a couple of weeks ago. And uh, so I put out the, the bottle. Uh, with the oil and next to the, the sticks. Well, I couldn't get the top out of the cork. I couldn't get the cork out of the oil. I couldn't get the cork out of the oil. So I just left it there. So I, a couple of days later, I came back and I saw my son. I said, oh, look, did you got that cork out of the, the bottle and you set up the diffuser and it smells so good. And, I, and uh, he says, no, Megan did that. Megan is my daughter-in-love. My, my son and my daughter-in-law live with us and have for 10 years. They, never <laughs> home. they just keep coming in. He brings in chicks. And then they're, no, but this is just one chick. And I said, how did she do it? And he says, perseverance. <laughs> it has been the watchword of, of our house and of my family. Perseverance. How are you going to do that? There was this uh, uh, little story about this fellow that had to write a whole term paper and to organize all the birds in the world and his older sister came in and he says what are you what are you doing and he's i'm supposed to write this there's too many there's too many things to do and she says just do it bird by bird and he said oh okay so it's bird by bird and persevere that's that's my philosophy of life that's firestar's philosophy <laughs> We'll get to that, Emma. We'll persevere. She's going to pay. Well, the thing is, she didn't know about about, uh, Butterum that she thought she, you know, she put it on Firestar that Firestar was to blame for, of course, death, not not her.
1: What do you think an episode between Firestar, your Firestar, and Emma Frost would look like?
0: Oh, it would be great. It (laughs) would be great. Because, I <clears throat> I don't take kindly to Emma, and I don't it. And actually, if people do me wrong, that's that is one flaw. I only have one flaw in my life. <laughs> but if people do me wrong, it's hard for me to forgive them. It really is. I I love everybody and, and accept everybody at the very beginning, but if they mess me up and they mess around with me, I I don't forgive them easily. So I have not forgiven. Emma, either, and that was and that was a big thing that she did. So it would it would be quite a conflict.
1: So when when you were going in and you were doing the episodes, was there ever a script or storyline that was presented to you that just never made it on air for Firestar? Was there ever like a plot that you had wish had made it?
0: No. So there's a lot of fodder. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <that> we- <laughs> <laughs> you're like there's a whole series that could have happened <laughs> Yeah,
0: so let's let's write it oh, i, I, will, I have to get down and write
1: i mean listen i give me give me two days i will hammer out a couple of scripts because we love firestar so much here but i i'm also curious about when you're developing firestar and you were talking to the producers was there was there any direction that they gave you apart from you know, she's going to be, you know, Firestar, She's going to have, you know, heat, fire activated powers. Was there? What, she, she really was just your canvas to, to, to create.
0: She was. Okay. And what was and the way that we did it, we all sat around the table and we looked because they did the animation and the story, of course, before we're doing the, the lines. So hmm. we got to see what was happening to yes. kind of match what was going on. Um, But there was a lot of freedom to be, you know, our own voices and, and our own takes on things. And as I said, I mean, Frank and I had been been around for a while. And I think it was that naivete that that Dan had, because this was like his first. So he just wow, I can't believe and it's that to this day, I swear to God, I can't believe that I'm actually crawling up a wall. You know? and, and it's that just amazement of what, what is this?
1: That must have been so surreal for him. Did you, what, what advice did you give him when, when you guys started working on the series together? I mean, at this point, you're very experienced and he's here like, wow, this is my first role. And I'm, I'm Spider-Man. That's a huge role.
0: I let the director do that. And, yeah. and I am usually not want to tell another actor how to act. That's fair. And and so I let him, and I would, and, and acting, you know, as you know, too, is a lot of acting, reacting. Yeah. So you're going to react to the way a person says a particular thing or, or what they do. So it, but it was, as I say, he had just had this nice, ingenuous kind of feel to him. And I was, I was young too, and, and I wasn't that young, but, uh, and I I had been working for yeah. like years. So it, I just kind of, you know, went to pace and, and followed what the director had in mind. And Stan Lee was there too, and he was formulating cause this was kind of his first time doing something like this with the animation uh, to making these characters.
1: What was your first impression when you saw her? Did you see her before you auditioned, when you got there, or was it after you got the job that you saw how she was going to look? After. After. Were you surprised that she was a redhead? Were you like, what's up?
0: Well, I, I, I was surprised. She had such a great figure. I was loving that. <laughs> <laughs> and at that time, I did kind of have reddish yeah. hair. Okay.
1: You know, My
0: hair has gone through several <laughs> I mean, mine too. Mine too. Mine's, going a- a blonde, <laughs> mine's going
1: through a blonde. Mine's going through a blonde phase right now.
0: Yeah, I'm in the blonde phase. And I was in never that red. But for family, if there was Auburn. That's for- true.
1: You were you were Auburn for yeah. that series. OK, yeah. so, so you saw her and you're like, look at her. And what, what do you think was the most challenging thing about bringing her to life? Was there was there something about heard that was a challenge or was it just a very easy process
0: well no the most difficult thing was flying down to la wow. <laughs> i wish i had my superpowers then i just you know, <laughs> fly down instead <laughs> of getting on the plane going down recording coming back up because we didn't have zoom and we didn't have yeah. all those videos then and you know now of course when you're doing a voiceover they'll give you a rendition of the character and so you can kind of for the audition match something to it um, but then we and it was just in the 80s but that's long time ago in well, some ways
1: and I can I ask how how many times a week did you have to commute to LA
0: because we didn't record like yeah. it today you know so yeah. we'll do it all in one day no so okay. I, I was about 10 times
1: wow yeah I asked because I, I'm an auctioneer and we, my husband and I, as I told you before, we, we hit record, we bought down in Miami, we still have our place in New York, but I have to be on a flight every week. And it kind of kills your voice being on those flights, j- jumping from, you know, hotel room to hotel room, and it can be very jarring. But when we look at the series now, you are, you're immaculate, I mean, um, your Petros Immaculate never would have thought you were someone who was commuting all around. And it just seemed so effortless and powerful on screen.
0: Uh, thank you. It, it's, it's not very far, though. It's just yeah. half hour. Oh, there,
1: OK. It's, and you know,
0: it, you know for an hour to go yeah. from San Francisco to L.A. I was oh, okay. That's good. in Burbank and it was very close.
1: Oh my mine is yeah. a two and a half hour commute. I'm like, oh yeah,
0: that's that, that, that's a lot longer.
1: Bob. Six AM flight. I'm getting vodka <laughs> oh, at the I'm like oh. so it's...
0: <laughs> yes, a little something along <laughs> the way.
1: So did you know about the X-Men when you went into the series or did you kind of discover the X-Men as the series was unfolding? Yeah.
0: Yes, afterwards because yeah. I was I was and I don't think the X-Men came in until after. Yeah, yeah. You know. So, no, I didn't know about them. But, you know, you do, as I say, I've been doing this for a long time, doing all kinds of different kinds of jobs. So that's my job. Okay, now I'm going on to another job. Okay, now I'm going to record a book. Okay, now I'm going to go do a movie. Now, So all those things yeah. you operate, then all your focus goes on that particular project that you're on. At least that's the way it was with me. But I, I've, I love the way then that they started all the Comic-Cons. Yeah. So that just keeps, and the autograph shows that I go to for Family Affair and the Western shows I go to because I did a lot of Western. So, you know, you do those those types of, of conventions. And I, I love talking to the people because it's energizing to me. You know? Well,
1: you have such an affable warm radiating personality. I, I can definitely see that. And I can see people who would just want to sit down and talk to you. What, what what kind of fans do you get most of? Is it family affair? Is it Spider-Man? Which which fans do you do you see most often?
0: Well it depends on what kind of con yeah. I'm at. But it and mostly it's half and half. I would get, yeah. get half fans for Family Fair, get half fans for um, the Comic Cons, except for this this last year that I've been going to the Comic Cons. And they are just loving Firestar. Yeah. And and, and I would say it's now more 60-40 for Firestar yeah. and uh, Spider-Man and the other, you know, voiceover things I've done than Family Affair.
1: But yeah. That's, that's the way. Well, so, again, Firestar is having such a huge push in the comics. And I'm I'm trying, I'm drawing a blank here. So when you were when you came onto the series and we knew she was created just for the series, were you told that she was going to eventually translate into the comic books or Mm -hmm. did that happen? So that happened afterwards. When did you find out that she would be living on in the comic books?
0: I think I didn't find that out until a comic con. And I said, Oh, look at this. Firestar has four, you know, four comic books.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Her first series.
0: Yeah. And then I really got schooled in in comics and what they were and that she had her own little mini series. And and uh, so I collect, you know, I was collecting them and fans brought brought them to me. And and then, of course, I, I signed them. And then there's all kinds of different types of comics that she would appear in. That, yeah. And then there was Deadpool and this and that. So I uh, I, I like the I love the comics.
1: If Ryan Reynolds called you up and was like, hey, come for Deadpool 3, let's have you be Firestar, would you totally get on a plane to, I'm forgetting where they're filming, Deadpool 3.
0: Absolutely! Let's make that happen, Paul!
1: Yes! Look, we're red. You're like wearing red? Is is there a favorite Comic-Con you've been to? Is there one Comic-Con in particular that you love?
0: Um I I know my autograph show. I mean I like the Mid-South Nostalgia Festival. That's that's one of my favorites. But for Comic-Con, I don't like San Diego. It's just crazy. Yeah. Uh So I I liked uh Northeast Comic. I like Philadelphia.
1: The oh, Philadelphia
0: yes. Comic-Con. That was that was really good. The Retro and the Retrocon is Oh, it, Retrocon. Yeah. Retrocon was really cool. I the the people were just so nice and so, yeah, I am I'm mostly like every place I go. I'm going to do Pasadena Comic-Con. I, yeah. I
1: know one of our co-hosts, Michelle Waffle Otero, who couldn't make it today, but she DM'd me to be like, I'm sorry I can't make it to the episode, but I'm going to be seeing her at Pasadena next month. I, I, she told me the dates, but I'm forgetting. We'll plug it when I do the intro. But I was yeah. like, yes, uh, I wish I could be going to Pasadena, but sadly. Uh, that's
0: that's nice. That's January the uh uh, twenty eighth.
1: Okay, day, cool. Yeah, so at the it's... end
0: of this month, and then I'm doing one in May, and of course, I was asked to do two, and they were on the very same weekend, and that's May fourth. May the fourth be with you. Yes. Um, and one is is just for the X Men mutants, and that's in in New York. In, in, no, that's in Florida. That's yeah, in that's, that's Muticon. You are
1: that's Muticon. I'm part yeah. of it. I'm part of it.
0: I the uh, the X
1: the X Men. Yeah, what the is, Mutant Con, the Mutant Con, yeah, in it, Orlando.
0: And I, yes, and I was going to do that, and I, I forgot I was supposed to do this. Uh, what's it called? X Retro Con mm-hmm. in Idaho by oh. Snake River, and he had asked me two years ago, and it fell when I had another thing to do, and so I, so I promised him I'd do it the next year, which mm-hmm. is this
1: year. This year oh and they're
0: they're on this they they fell on the same date and i had i'd said oh well yeah yeah i would like to do this would be fun to come to orlando and and all of that but
1: oh gosh i'm I'm so sorry we're gonna miss you we're gonna have a wild time there though we we, we have lenore rogue coming we have emma dumont who was the actress for Polaris on the fox shows we would have loved to have had you Can you do it Um,
0: next year?
1: I'll come next year. I'm I'm going to text Jeff. I'm going to text Jeff right now. He was probably the one who reached out to you to let him know that we spoke. Yeah. Because you would just jive so well because the energy of that con, Kathy, is that we just want people to come and celebrate the characters. And that's it. And just have conversations and and have a good time, you know? Oh,
0: Let's do it. Let's do it next year. I'd love
1: to. Okay. So before we we move off of Spider-Man and his amazing friends one final question. Firestar was shown dating both in the series Spider-Man and Iceman. And and of course Iceman has now come out of the closet, but in the context of just your show, who would Firestar have chosen? Would she have chosen Spider-Man, would she have chosen Iceman or she would she have been like f that, I'm my own person, I would do something else. <laughs>
0: Well, I would have melted Iceman, so I had to get (laughs) Spider (laughs) Man.
1: Yes. I love that so much. No (laughs) choice. Okay. So. I, I wanted to dive into some of your background with acting. And and I know some of it because I followed you along for, for a couple of years. But for the folks at home who probably don't know, how did you get into voice acting? We know you started very early on as a child, sort of this prodigious thespian. How did that morph from doing acting, like television, and then getting into voice acting?
0: Well, I had done a lot of radio when I mm-hmm. was a child. And that was uh, a big medium at that time. And as I said, my first movie was The Ten Commandments. Then I did uh, uh Night of the Hunter was actually mm-hmm. my first with Robert Mitchum and Shelley Winters and Lillian Gish. And I mean, a great cast. And then I did a, a film noir, Monkey on My Back. And then I did guest stars on like all the TV shows that were going on at that time and did stage. Then I did family affair for five years and uh, then I came back and I was doing guest stop uh, guest uh, appearances and my agent, my commercial agent, Dan, uh, Don Schwartz at the time, he was a, a big commercial agent in Hollywood and we were sending me out for live action, you know, on camera commercials. And then he says, well, we have a voiceover audition for you. And I says, what's that? And I says, what's voiceover? What does that mean? He says, oh, well, you'll be fine. Just just go and, and do the script. And I says, okay. So I went and I'll never forget this. It was in Century City, I believe. And I, I went into the, the studio and they gave me the script and it was for tuna fish. And it was for, uh, I, I forget what it was, what kind of tuna fish. Sunkist, that's it. Yes. Going through the file, so <laughs> they, uh, all you say is, "Is a I like tuna fish." I say, this is easy. I like tuna fish. it's just "Okay, now say it in a different way." What do you mean, diff- different way? I, I, I mean, I like tuna fish. No, say it in a different voice. Different voice. I like tuna fish. Thank you very much. We'll call you. You call <laughs> us. <laughs> what was that? So I immediately signed up for uh, lessons (laughs) and finding out what is voiceover. And then I I was a speech major in college at UCLA. So I knew how to pronounce my words and how to sell my words, but I didn't know all the different kinds of people that live within you that all you have to do, not all you have to do, but you can give them different voices and there are techniques of making different voices and making the different voices and making different things along, you know, a musical, uh, set that you have set up. You know, you can make it gravel. You can make it clear. You can make it not nasal. You can. I, I've done like maybe 70 audiobooks and in some of the fiction. Uh, Books that I do, there'll be like 70 or 80 different characters. Well, you have to have a voice for each one of them because, as you know, they don't say, Well, Paul said that we're going to uh, talk to Ryan Reynolds. And I say, Oh, well, that's good. um, uh, Kathy said. And then he says, Well, maybe. Well, maybe. And then there's no Paul said or Kathy said. So you have to stay with the same voice so people know that that is that character so you have to make up a lot of those different kinds of voices but they have to be real and you know you just can't pretend you know you, they're they're real
1: Well, you are so exceptionally prodigious and talented with your voice acting, and I wanted to pull on the thread of audiobooks because I used to work at Hachette Audio a couple of years ago, and I know you won two Audis, and I used to be on the Audis planning committee. I used to do social media for them. I was there when David Sedaris and John Waters were there as well. And I have to tell you, that is like the Oscars. For folks at home who don't know, that is like the Oscars of audiobooks. And audiobooks are really hard to do for everything you just said. You have so many characters. You have to do different types of voices. And it is not easy.
0: No, I taught audiobook for maybe about 15 years. And because people think that they can just get a you know piece of paper and, or a book and they'll start reading it. I said, no, no, that's that isn't the way you do it. You have to what's the setting? Who are you? Um, where are you? You have to tell the story. You're telling a story basically. And all these characters have to be real. And they can be formulated from people that you know if you want a quick one, or you or you write a little bio for the main characters. So there's a lot more to it than just reading, which you know and- is. We, we
1: we had some challenges with some authors who were not voice actors, who did not know how to do the art of audiobooks, who insisted on reading their own books. And even though they were nonfiction, so it, it's, you know, they 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 think, why can't I just read it? And those audiobooks were just terrible. And again, it's not that the story isn't good. It's not that the writing isn't good. It's just that they are not... They haven't mastered the art of audiobook, and and they think it's as easy as just reading what they wrote, and people would be engaged. And no, it, it takes a professional to be able to capture someone in that medium because audiobooks, much like a hardcover, like a paperback or an ebook, it's a different format of consuming the stories, and there is a certain niche audience for each.
0: Yes, I I, I agree, and some of the authors, I because I directed some, and. I remember when one author, and she really wanted to to do her book. I says, oh, okay. And she unfortunately had Lyme disease. Oh. And so she didn't have a lot of energy, and she insisted that her little dog be with her. So she was reading the book, and she was reading it very like this. So then we're going back, and we had almost edited this whole thing, and then I hear... Mm-hmm. I'm saying to to the the audio internet, I says, "What is that?" He says, "That's the dog." <laughs> <laughs> She's talking like this, and the dog is going. <laughs> how are we going to get? How are we going to get that snore? <laughs> <laughs> the text. Well, thank God we found some sound soap, you know, and and we're able to erase that part and and separate it from the actual voice part, but. Yes, there are the challenges as you so politically and nicely put. It. Oh. No, I'm not I, quite as, as politic as you.
1: I so I I was in book publishing for twelve years and I know some authors with their little dogs who have shown up places and I wonder if we're maybe thinking of the same person, but we will we will save that for once we stop recording. <laughs> but okay, so you're you're doing voice acting work and you know you 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 were on the Fonz and the happy days. How was that show like? How was it like going on? We're we're big Happy Days fans here at Power of X Men. What was the experience like going going into that recording booth?
0: Well, it was it was great, and it was I think it was at Hanna Barbera is yeah. where we were, it is where we were shooting. So it was very big. So it wasn't into a little booth. It was more they. It was a big room, as I remember, yeah. and uh, it all the actors just were wonderful, I think. Ron Howard was kind of um uh, booming his in from back East because we mm. were in Hollywood. And but there was a lot of joy and happiness between all the people that were recording. So that always makes, I think, a better product in the end.
1: And how is Henry Winkler?
0: <laughs> he's great. And he's so sweet to these days. I see him, I saw him at the Hollywood show last year, and just the nice he has a book coming out. Oh, does he? Uh, yeah. And just very very nice guy, but yeah, he has a new book coming.
1: So the Spider-Man series in the '90s, they asked you to return. What was that like? What was that? What what was that call like? What was that entire experience like?
0: I'm always happy for a job.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, same. When you live gig life, I'll take any job. But this one is like <laughs> this is like a homecoming, right?
0: Yeah. So it was it was lots of fun, and I love to you get to know people and then you don't see them for a while and then you see them. And it's like, you saw them yesterday, that, that kind of feeling, which is always very nice to be around.
1: Were you disappointed when you were like, why aren't you asking me to be Firestar? And, and then the next question being why isn't Firestar in this series?
0: Yes. You know? And so I'm still going to plug, I think this, this is the year for Firestar
1: yeah.
0: this is The year. We're, we're going to, she's, uh, she's coming into her own. She's coming. I don't know what manifestation, whether I'll be, you know, the the AI of (laughs) Firestar or what, or the CG or the live action Aunt May I would have to do. But I liked the the way, what was her name that you talked about? He says, Oh, Sugar.
1: Oh, Um, Lenore Zan. Yeah. Oh, my God. You and Lenore. So (laughs) since you can't make it to MutantCon this year, next year, you, me, Lenore Zan having a riot in Orlando. It will
0: people okay. cra- go
1: crazy. Firestorm wrote together. Yeah. And one of my final questions for you is what was it like writing your memoir and sort of having this very incredible career and having the opportunity to sit down and reflect on it, especially knowing, you know, you've done audiobook work. So you've been involved in the literary scene. What was that like to sit down and say, I'm going to write my story this is this is a moment to tell it
0: well it wasn't the moment it's it's like you know <laughs> i like the gig life well you don't know when one gig's coming or one gig so and when did those faces i've written now five books but and that was my that was my second book mm-hmm. and it was i says well i i think i started writing it a while back and then we had a fire and it So that went up in flames, Firestar, there's always some flame around her. And so then I started over again, and it was good. My my family was very tolerant because I had pictures all over my office and in piles here and there and everywhere, trying to get organized, my eternal quest in life to be organized. <laughs> Same. Uh, oh, my God. And so it was all kind of, but it coalesced. It was interesting because... As I was writing it, a certain theme developed. So I had somewhat of an outline, but and, and you had mentioned, like even in our interview, well, here I want to go through this thread. My book became a piece of fabric. And yeah. so uh, there was each each chapter became uh, a part of the fabric of my life. And there was a crocheted one, and there was a lacy thread, there was a coarse thread, there was you know, all these different textures that coalesce to make the whole thing. And we're still knitting and crocheting on that fabric, but I had to end it where it was, but that doesn't end me. And would you like to know what I'm doing now?
1: Yes, I would love to know what you're doing now.
0: I'm talking to you. (laughs) And then next week I'm going to Palm Springs, and oh, I to, love Palm uh, Springs. It's wonderful. I just did. I do a show called A Christmas Memory, yeah. uh, uh, by Truman Capote. So mm-hmm. I did an appearance in Palm Springs with it, and a couple of museums. Anyway, so I'm going I to Palm Springs so to do the uh, golf tournament for a celebrity golf tournament for Fred Williamson, and then the next week I'm going to Pasadena Comic Con, and then I'm going to Michigan
1: which is
0: very <gasps> old i understand oh my
1: gosh are you gonna be ice fishing
0: no i'm doing a movie a christmas movie and it's very cold christmas at the roanoke ranch oh and my gosh i play the owner of this is, it's such a the, the theme has been done millions of times but anyway the the, the widow's losing the ranch and it's got to save the ranch but <laughs> i am here
1: for it please Wait, Is it coming out next year or this time, year course, this year this
0: year for christmas yeah,
1: yeah. i yeah. tell me where to, we will do a live watch on power of x-men i oh, love watching christmas it? movies so oh. much i listen i watched the Lindsay lohan christmas movie on netflix i watch autumn research christmas movies let's do it we will be yeah. so excited yeah
0: so this is christmas at the roanoke ranch and i'll ride a horse and they we have therapy horses and rescue horses that's my ranch. It's a 5013C yeah. um, uh, organization that we have. So and then there's my nephew, who is very handsome, that meets the reporter and there's the ROCOM in it. So it's, you know, you're kind of your typical Christmas movie, but it's in Michigan, and it's cold. So I'm doing that. And then I'm going to uh, go to Australia do <clears throat> a movie called um, Pollyanna's Wish. And it was based on the original Pollyanna book that when Lindsay uh not Lindsay Loanne, I think she uh uh Haley Mills okay. did Pollyanna and uh so this is a different and that was Disney I think Disney did Pollyanna yeah this is though based on this the story and it's also shot in Australia and we don't have a Pollyanna yet but and I'm I'm a producer on that as well as well as being Mrs. Snow going from real snow to <laughs> Mrs Snow in Australia. And then I'm going to do a movie, and good. What's it, what's it called "Good Times" at Blue Jay Saloon. In okay. T- in Nashville, Tennessee. Oh my and,
1: gosh! And I love Nashville Bonnie too.
0: Martin is like the executive producer, and it's about these two girls that have a, a band, and I I play Nana, and it's uh, it's a re- it's really a good movie. I I like the the movie a lot. So there's lots of stuff going on. And uh, we have this pilot for TV dinners that uh, may be shot in New York. So if you're, you're still in New York or are you are yeah. primarily in Orlando?
1: No. So we're, so we're going back to New York. We're going to close up the house here. We finish our renovations. And then we're going to be back in New York on Thursday. And we'll be in Thursday because my season now kicks off this Saturday. So I'll be all over the place until June. And then so we'll probably return here in June.
0: huh. And you've got all your innovations are all done now?
1: Almost. Well, listen. <laughs> <laughs> well, never,
0: a house is never finished. Look at the house. Right.
1: It, same you with know? the memoir. By the way, I wanted to just pull on the thread one more time what you said about your memoir, how you had to finish it. Because um, I've been working on my on my memoirs, more of a not collection of nonfiction essays, but my friend just published a book. And we were talking about, how when you take a couple years to write something and you go back to revise or you reapproach your material, you have a different perspective on that material, and it changes so much. So at a certain point, you just have to be done with it. And it's I thought,
0: like it, a picture, you know? Yeah. Okay, no, I just want one more little stroke, and I said, mm-hmm. oh my god, ruined the whole thing. Yeah, you just have to say, okay, I did it. I'm proud of it. I like it. Let's get it out there. Yeah. Please do a sequel. You can always do,
1: you know. I agree with you. And it's, but that's something that I I see a lot of people when they're writing nonfiction or they're writing essays, they don't understand where you just have to stop and you're done right now because there's always going to be your feelings for something like that. And I thought, I just thought that was really great advice my friend gave me and it's echoed with you right now. And it's, it's a testament to your talent.
0: Oh, well, thank you.
1: Your literary, your literary talent. i <laughs> yes.
0: well,
1: Firestar is going to be a writer in the comics now, hopefully. Yes.
0: Well, yeah, maybe that's, maybe that's it. Uh, the spiritual being wants us to get together and write those scripts for, for Firestar. <laughs> there we go. And we'll get them out there.
1: Kathy, where can fans connect with you?
0: They can go to my Facebook which is Kathy Garver's fan page and mm-hmm. go to that one because the other one is all, you know, filled up and <laughs> they can go to my kathygarver.com. K-A-T-H-Y-G-A-R-V-E-R.com. And then my newsletters are there. And so I have a newsletter each month. They can connect to me there. They can sign up for the subscription. I've got all my toys there and my books on my, um, and on my, uh, website. And my pictures and my candles and um, my room sprays.
1: <laughs> I. I follow you on Instagram, and I love seeing your posts. You have so much light. You always are out and about, and you have such a wonderful presence. And it's such a pleasure to see you on my feed. And you're going to be all over the place. (laughs) Nashville to Australia to Michigan. You're going to be everywhere. So I can't wait to see those adventures.
0: Well, thank you. And I'd love to see you in New York. That would be really fun. And I I would like to see you at the mutant one in Orlando next year.
1: Kathy, I mean, you have this insane schedule. We, we know you have a lot of upcoming projects, but do you have any upcoming movies that everyone should be aware of?
0: Yes, I have a new movie coming out and it's called The Empty Church. And we filmed that in Illinois and that will be out in a couple months. And it's a it, it's a drama and it's very interesting. It's made by a good friend of mine, John Norton, who lost his son to suicide and he could not understand. And so it's a movie looking for the answers to the questions about why would somebody do this? So that's that's a drama that will be out this year. And also My Yellow Bird uh, It's a movie that I did that's now available on Amazon Prime and it's a it's a real it's a fun movie and maybe that movie might be made into a series but those are two things that that uh one you can look for and one is there and there is another one called old man jackson which is another movie that i i did yellow bird and houston and uh, old man jackson came out within two weeks of each other even though it took them longer to uh to finally get out there but Uh, Old Man Jackson will be out next month and that will also be on uh, Prime and so people can watch those. I'd love to get their reactions and I'd like everyone to visit my, my website.
1: Amelia, you heard it here. It's on Amazon Prime. Winter is here. Order some pizza. Watch our icon Firestar and send her DMs, emails, slide into her Facebook message boards and make sure to let her know how much you're enjoying these films.